it's Claire. Welcome to another episode of Introspectives where we're still exploring Season 5 Beauty and Love. Today, Adrian and I will be speaking to Alice. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Can you just um, share like how you grew up and what kind of beauty and messages, sorry, beauty and love messages you received while you were growing up? Um, so I grew up in Canada, in Calgary, Alberta, and my parents were first generation from Taiwan. So they mm. were part of the diaspora that um, left China in 1947, um, right after the Civil War. And my mother grew up in North Taiwan, so in Taipei. And my father grew up, I'm, I don't actually, I can't remember where, <laughs> somewhere in the South, um, in a small village kind of place. Uh, I think, I think they, he, he, yeah, he grew up like near a sugar, sugar plantation. Anyway, yeah, in the country. So he grew up in the mm-hmm. country in the South. Um, and uh, in terms of beauty and love, you know, my parents are pretty traditional. My dad is definitely very, he's, he's in that mold, kind of few words, very kind of uh, conservative. Um, my mother, my mother is really interesting. I think she, she's very, I don't know how do you do She's she's a can-do woman like she (laughs) is very fashionable she's very progressive she's super curious about stuff she's always wanting to try new things so I think in terms of beauty and love like I have from her she was also very Chinese you know Chinese parents aren't like they're not like wow you're so beautiful like that kind of um (laughs) not that kind of uh (laughs) verbal encouragement right Mm. but I don't know maybe I was just really lucky like I feel like my mom I knew she loved me very like I it was never in doubt and I know my dad also loves me a lot um Mm. just in the way that they behave um so for example (laughs) this I always it always made me laugh but it really drove home how much my mom loved me. Like if ever there was like a situation in a car, like she drove me around a lot. If ever there was a situation in a car where she had to like break really hard, she would always <laughs> fling her arm out and, oh. and it, as if she could hold me back. I mean, I had a seatbelt on, but I'm like, you know, if I was going to fling through the windshield, like your arm is not going to stop. But it was like this instinctive, like almost yeah. like a knee jerk reaction. And mm-hmm. so like, little things like that, you know, you can mm-hmm. tell you're like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah she totally loves me. And true like, love, hey, baby. Yeah, true love, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, that's totally ineffective, but, you know, I love you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like in terms of beauty, like, oh, I, I guess, I mean, I grew up, I was a teen during the Naomi, Naomi Campbell, like the, what are they, what, the Uber model? the supermodel oh. era, like Niall oh. Campbell, Christy Turlington, yeah. Cindy Crawford, yeah. um, who was Kate Moss. Um, mm. So, you know, those are pretty, those are pretty intense role oh. models like, yeah, for beauty, right? right? But mm-hmm. also when I was a teen, like I spent my teenage summers in Taiwan where I was exposed to a lot of um, Taiwanese movies or, and, and Hong Kong movies. Mm. And so like, somebody who I remember being absolutely like, oh, she's so beautiful, was Wang Zuxian, who is, mm. I looked up her name in English, it's Joey Wong. She oh, okay. um, was the actress oh, yeah. in the original uh, A Chinese Ghost Story. It's a movie from the 80s. They remade mm. it. Um, 
but she's just like she looks so my mom has this um antique it's like a it looks like it's an ivory carving um or some kind of tusk and it's of a chinese tang style woman and this wang zuxian looks like her and oh, i always wow. thought she was just she's like really willowy and just very natural um really just i just remember thinking she's so beautiful like long hair right the kind of natural mm-hmm. long, classic flowing, yeah classic <laughs> yeah, classic classic Chinese oh. hair and then of course you know at the same time there was anita moy the um Mei and fang she was a hong kong oh, you know okay. they're all like actresses slash um singers like huge celebrities and so mm-hmm. she's also like in my mind she makes me think of um the equivalent of Meryl Streep, like her acting career just spanned. I mean, she was, she did slapstick. She was very funny, oh, very successful. What a she woman. was also a really serious dramatic actress. Like whatever she acted, like she became that character in the way that Meryl Streep does. She inhabits the yeah. character and you forget that she's who she is. So she was another role model that I was like, wow, she's, yeah. she's not like typically beautiful, but she's just got so much presence that she's really stunning and Mm -hmm. because she was also this um pop star like a canto pop star at the time it was also this like their their um shows like when you went to a concert like may and fung's concerts were i mean they were like productions like way bigger than (laughs) what was happening at the time in Mm -hmm. North American music, right? The shows were not mm-hmm. nowhere near as, mm-hmm. I mean, like with the lights and the costume changes and like these really elaborate, like they were really like <laughs> really <laughs> intense, right? So that was kind yeah. of this, I had this dichotomy, like where, you know, I had the Asian, like particularly Taiwan and Hong Kong influence and seeing how that aesthetic was and then having like North American aesthetic as well. And it, like I didn't, I don't think I fell into the trap of um, being like, oh, you know, I have, you know, has to look like Christy Turlington or whatever. Like I, I felt it was a nice balance because there were like Chinese movie stars and Chinese celebrities that I thought were just really amazing. And plus also I had like friends, like my mom, my mom had some really beautiful friends. <laughs> you know, like this whole, this one family, like all of their daughters are just stunning, like so so like you know in that sense I always I never really I always appreciated Asian beauty and like and and knew like you know there's different styles like um you know like the eyes like I know that there was like a big thing for you know big round double lidded eyes Mm -hmm. but I also knew there was something called um like phoenix eyes and they were like the the slim sweeping eyes and they were like considered really beautiful too so to me, like, you know, I had those in those things in my head and it wasn't like, oh, it had to fit into an X, mm. a mold, a specific mold in any way. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really, it was cool. It was, I, I think I was very lucky to be able to spend so much time in Taiwan when I was a teen, like 13, 14, 15 years old. Did you feel like you fit like within one of these categories that you saw like did you feel like you kind of fit in like some of the western like beauty model like archetypes that you saw or was it or like the Taiwanese or did you find that just having both of them just allowed you to see how diverse beauty was like were you not bothered because you could place yourself in a category or was it because you kind of felt like oh 
there isn't such a need for such strong categories and stereotypes. I don't know that I thought that it was ever so like such a concrete, clear thought. Um, mm-hmm. I think I definitely would not have considered myself in the Western archetype. Like yeah. I didn't have this, the same body type. I am, you know, my face shape, my eyes were not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, even in the Asian stereotype, like I was, so one of the things like, you know, spending time in Taiwan is, and this is also somewhat true. I spent some time in Beijing and Shanghai and it was really funny going clothes shopping you know they'd be like oh my god yeah you're so big you're so big you know maybe xxl and i'm like i i am not considered like i considered quite kind of average size in like north america right and then also you go to asia and you know everybody's like you know they're 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 basically their thighs are the size of your arms you know know, different they had a they had a really like i know that taiwan for example at that at that time had a really different aesthetic physically mm-hmm. like you know now it's a little different but you know the idea of like having a muscle like being muscular um they like the willowy totally not muscular type look at the time mm-hmm. and so like I often got oh you're so healthy looking <laughs> <laughs> you know like the euphemism yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah yeah I'm really healthy <laughs> yeah. um but I mean like I always thought of myself as a tomboy anyway so I never quite fit in um into either or but I think it also gave me some freedom because I was able like I would buy clothes from Taiwan and they were different from anything you could buy in Calgary mm-hmm. and I'd wear them like I loved wearing like I Ooh, loved the yeah. stuff that I got and I had no problem wearing like these like yeah I don't, I'm just, I don't know <laughs> I'm thinking back of the kind of clothes I had like 50 style like red um you know, almost like 50 style skirts, like the really full skirts and like little blazers with like, I think I had like little jewels on like this tiny little crop blazer. I had. I mean, like it was just like, random strange things, but I really liked them. Yeah, no, you anyway. rocked it, bud. Yeah, I was like, whatever, you know, I don't fit in either. I'll just make my own category. But um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So speaking of like how you've had experience with different cultures, moving on to the next question. <laughs> so, how have your perceptions of beauty changed when you moved to different countries and cultures? Like was the experience of moving changed or was it just like as you grew up, you saw both of them simultaneously? Well, this is interesting. Um, I think moving cultures and moving countries Mm. helped like I I ended up being aware of different aesthetics like for example I live in England now right and I Mm -hmm. came here from like I spent a year in Beijing before I came here but before that I was mostly like I was in Canada and I mean the Mm -hmm. Alberta like I was in Alberta so the Albertan aesthetic is really was really different from what I saw here and I'm like going to New York for example the, the so what is, is really the Alberta like I'm from Nova Scotia so I'm like trying to think of like what was popular when I was in high school and I'm like okay. mm, yeah like Hollister type of stuff like <laughs> okay so I'm, I'm quite a lot older than you ladies um so you've got to remember this is I when I was a teen for example um 
<laughs> like Madonna, you know, her like was it desperately yeah. seeking Susan. That yeah. Kind of, like, oh, the, yeah, the yeah. Head, the head things and the floppy <laughs> hair and the the one shoulder stuff. Um, that was mm. really popular. But even just casually, like okay, so when I was when I want to see when I moved from Canada to Europe, like I think it, especially Calgary and Edmonton, where I, like, I went to university in Edmonton and I grew up in Calgary as much at the time. I think it's different now as well. But, you know, when I was there, it was casual. Like, there were a lot of, like, I think 501 Levi's were quite popular back then. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like the kind of uh, bootleg. Or it's in style strong. now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 501 <laughs> Levi's. And then, okay, everything so, comes this back is, around. This yeah. is a very Alberta <laughs> thing. We had, I think it was Lee. It's like a denim jacket oh, with like yeah. the, the cord, like the brown cord on the collar. And I wore that as the, a kid. Right? And on the inside was like, really? I think it yeah. was plaid inside, like a flannel oh, or something. Okay, not that level, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, that was a real, that was, that was like, everybody had one of those. Um, <laughs> and like plaid, flannel, you know, lumberjack type shirts. Uh, I don't know, it sounds pretty cool to me. Like, <laughs> sounds like my wardrobe kind of. <laughs> It was like, you know, it's a, it's a small city. It wasn't at the time. I mean, we didn't have Nordstrom. It was, it wasn't mm-hmm. super fashion forward. Um, <laughs> and so you, you come to place someplace like coming to London, you know, and, and where people are yeah, rel- relatively well dressed. I mean, the aesthetic here is different to New York as well. Like New York, I found super groomed, mm-hmm. like everybody looks super groomed, like yeah. really well dressed, really well put together. England is a little more eccentric so mm. like it's the, the it's just a different kind of aesthetic and feel like yeah I don't know how to describe it but <laughs> yeah I, I do yeah. see that there's a difference um yeah you know I, I don't know that I like I think I adapt like there's things that I'm like oh I really like that I like that magpie you know you you pick mm. the things you really like and when you really like it you don't care that other people might think it's weird <laughs> but you know again like there's things that I don't I won't do because I feel it's a bit like it's not my it's not my thing like I know there's like uh the headband thing is coming back again like oh the, yeah like oh, yeah. the floppy um big ties like almost almost 50s is it um and I mean I just don't have the right head yeah. shape for it so it's not like <laughs> It also it kind of hurts on your head after a few hours. <laughs> I yeah, I'm like sensitive, you know. And plus, I wear glasses. It's awkward with the t- you know, the ears and stuff. So, yeah. Just on to the next question: How do you think Asian American women occupy beauty and love in the media? I think that's hard because the media <laughs> yeah. is often it is like especially North America or even Western Europe. It's by a white gaze for a white gaze, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's difficult because the, like, if the framing isn't aware of the white gaze, mm. either making it or making it for or being received by, then, you know, you, you, I think there's a tendency to fall into the um, sort of the implicit biases, like the things that are, you know, like hypersexualization, fetish you know, fetishizing, um, being Asian, that dragon lady thing, the kind of, or the super cute, super innocent, um, mm. kind of school girly thing. 
so yeah it's really i don't know um like i don't think that asian beauty has been really at the forefront for a long time but i think now because china is such a big market like in the last i'd say in the last five to ten years i've been seeing you know like the big parisian houses are using asian models for their ads right um and that's really cool and i mean some of the like chinese and chinese models um and Asian models are just, and then of course you've got the Hallyu, the is that what they're the Hallyu, mm-hmm. oh, Hallyu, yeah. the, the Korean, Korean wave, the, yeah, the Korean wave, and <laughs> yeah. all of the Korean celebrities, the actors yeah. and actresses, and how they're influencing visuals and and their style and their fashion. Um, so that I think is really exciting, and it's it's it isn't the thing is it's like I I can see that that is not by the white gaze for the white gaze and so it's a totally different market like it's mm-hmm. specifically for an asian market or for a market that is accepting of not being you know uh, in that dominant gaze kind of thing mm-hmm. so yeah i don't know um i don't think it's mainstream i mean like i'm just trying to think of all the like there's very few Asian models. I can think of maybe one famous one, like, you know, supermodel, like mm. in North America. Um, Which she, one? She's very, oh she's very tall. She's very tall. She's really androgynous. Um, but I can't remember her name. Like, it's not like, oh, Christy, Cindy, mm. Tur- you know, Naomi, mm. like, um, but then also I'm not really paying a whole lot of attention to the fashion world. Like I can't remember the last time I bought a Vogue. I mean, it's got to be mm-hmm. a long time. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, do you find it different? Like, because I think I'm a totally di- like really different generation. Yeah, I don't really read. <laughs> I don't really read fashion <laughs> magazines. All the fashion <laughs> stuff I see, uh, you know, things on Instagram. I really mm-hmm. like watching. Um, I find amazing the street street fashion from China. Oh the Instagram yeah, Instagram reels for that. It's like oh my God, they are so like, you can't stop looking at them. It's like normal people. I don't know that they're normal because they're like going down this fashion walk street where they know they're going to be filmed. But I mean, mm. like the fashion in it, I mean, like, it's just amazing. They've got such great sense of fashion and it's theatrical and it looks really cool. And the the, the styles are so different. They're wearing yeah. like, you know, really super fashion forward, like futuristic type stuff but also then you know you'll have another guy walking down in what looks like Han Dynasty robe you know mm. like yeah really cool and then you know the Instagram um Instagrams from various like Chinese models and and like you know from from Asia and stuff and photographers and whatnot so that's a really I really like seeing looking at those I think those are quite inspiring I don't really see it in mainstream western media mm. mm-hmm Well, speaking about like mainstream, I really do think that we do have a lot of similarities between like how we grew up and how you grew up and that like, I don't really think that there was a lot of like Asian presence in mainstream Mm. media as we were growing up as well. Like, I think uh, the big thing was kind of like, ooh, Mulan, you know, like, (laughs) oh, we have Mulan. And like, I don't know, I've talked about this with Claire before, but like, I never really identified with Mulan because I was like, well, she's Chinese and I'm Taiwanese. So that's different, you know, like in my family, like my, my Taiwanese family is very like, we are not Chinese. (laughs) Like that's like, you know, part of our identity. So 
to me, I, I didn't really like identify with her anyway. And there like weren't really a lot of other like role models or people that we could connect to. And I think because of that, I ended up finding a lot of like white role models instead. And like my mom is white and my dad is Taiwanese. So, you know, I kind of felt like, oh, I'm also white. So, you know, yeah. I can just like have white role models. But then I think as we got older, then like, you know, anime became more popular and then like K-pop became more popular. And now like Chinese dramas are becoming more popular. Mm -hmm. So I do think there has been more of an influx of Asian media into not maybe mainstream, but like more people are like know about it. And so it's not like not really part of the mainstream Western market, but there are more people that are like maybe watching things that are part of like other foreign markets. I feel like they're, it's diversifying. So you have like the mm. mainstream, um, the mainstream market, like, you know, your regular, like, I don't know, HBO or whatever, but Netflix, mm-hmm. what Netflix is doing is just amazing. Mm. Putting yeah, all of these things available, you know, in your living room. Because I remember like when I was growing up, if you wanted to watch, like, if you wanted to watch your home, your, you know, their dramas, you know, Chinese dramas or whatever. Oh my God, you had to go like, it, it was really difficult to get yeah. the tapes. You had to like- Find a box you know, set somewhere. Yeah, you had to find a yeah. box set. They were like passed Same. around between families because they were really hard to buy because you usually had to import them or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's I, I think that making it available, it's like bubble tea, right? Mm. Like it's not super yeah. mainstream, but like it is like popular. It's in popular culture. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So people yeah. know about it and a lot of people have tried it and- and you know a lot of people who aren't Asian enjoy it, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I mean, um, who doesn't like bubble tea? Come on, I know, right? <laughs> and it's little... Taiwanese too. And it's Taiwanese, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, but I mean, like, were you guys the same? Where so Joy Luck Club was the first movie that I watched mm. that was like, you know, it was a big deal. It was all Asian, and I remember because all the actors were Asian that whatever they went on to do I would remember I was like oh they were in Joylet Club I mean and there's like what there's like what five of them no there's eight of them so the Mm -hmm. older women most of them I didn't know who they were but the younger the four younger women like I was like oh I followed their careers I'm like oh yeah oh yeah she's in one of them's in Star Trek now right (laughs) and Crazy Rich Asians as the the, the now it's the crazy retrations and there's so many of them which is really cool but yeah 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 like yeah I'm, I'm glad to see more definitely there's like okay more, more. there's like three or four mm. <laughs> Hollywood movies that are like mostly Asian yeah. as opposed to my one when I was there, but you know it's hopefully getting there oh I was gonna quickly say that I forgot her name and I feel really bad because she's iconic but one one of the characters in joy luck club is the 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 main guy's grandma in crazy rotations and they were i don't know if you two know this but they were like touting that under like the credits like ooh, we made full circle she was in joy luck club it was like a whole marketing thing i actually really thought it was really yeah the, which oh. grandma um oh my god what's what's the dude's name the that um henry, henry golding plays yeah, his Mich- grandma. Oh, okay, so the mother was Michelle Yeoh. The yeah, so her mother-in-law. Oh. Yeah, that's right. That that's what I was trying to say, and I I forgot her name, and I. Oh, I can't to think of it which up. one. It's the it's the, it it's the older generation, right? Uh, I'm gonna look I, it up. I, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think so. But it so long. <laughs> but you know, with, with Joy Luck, I did I did kind of want to ask, like, because we 
read the book when I was in school and I felt wildly uncomfortable because he was being dissected by a white male teacher. And I thought this is on the one hand, it's fantastic that we're reading this in, in class. But on the other hand, should you be dissecting this? Or maybe, sh- or is it bad? Maybe it's not so bad because you're kind of telling the other white males that like, it's okay mm-hmm. to read this. But I just, I just remember feeling like really uncomfortable. So I don't, I don't know what you two feel about that or if you've experienced that like reading asian books in a white space yeah and and i mean like this is i think what adrian said earlier is that i think mm. our generations connect because we didn't have a lot of this representation mm. so when i saw that we were reading this book yeah i was immediately like oh wow okay an asian book okay this is a big deal <laughs> um but then it was like taught by this like like you know this white teacher who we never really talked about this asian context before and all we, you know going from shakespeare to suddenly this like asian book what for <laughs> like and it wasn't even in may it wasn't even for apm it was like in a random month like no context i just felt like it didn't really do it justice but on the other hand is it better than not reading it at all i, I, don't, I don't know, know. like i feel like it's mm. it's the i so okay the, i think there's a couple things there i think Having it on the curriculum, I think, is amazing because mm. otherwise it's just basically an all-white curriculum most of the time. Like that is even, true. Even black novels are so rare that you think, oh, God, you know, that needs to change. It needs to change. Absolutely. Um, but I also feel like sometimes it depends on how they're teaching it, you know, because, I mean, like, teachers are not infallible. I, I, you know, if he did a good job, then great. But again, it's weird because you're kind of, I think if you're aware that like, you know, the whole thing about white gaze and of the author and of the audience. Mm-hmm. And I think that in literature, it's, it's so interesting because white authors don't think about race. And, you know, when they introduce characters, it's never like, oh, you know, it's not in context of race. Whereas if you have an own Voigtland or BIPOC author mm-hmm. introducing characters who are POC, the way that they are introduced is often racialized. Yeah. Because if you don't, people will assume they're white. And, you know, like the fact that white authors don't have to do that is racialized. And I think that they don't, mm. they're not aware of it. Right. Mm. Um, so, you know, like having that taught, having the curriculum and, and looking at these books, I think is amazing. I think it's really, really good. And, you know, having that as a curriculum thing. I mean, like I, I also, I shouldn't, I really shouldn't complain about it, but I do worry like, you know, cause if they're not aware of that, like that, mm. this is a, an Asian author, is this Asian author writing for a white audience or are they writing for um an asian audience because i think that's different i think is it Mm. um i think it was tony morrison who was who said you know she basically she made a conscious decision that she was not going to she was not going to adjust her audience for her books like how she wrote her books she's like my audience i know who my audience is and it is not a white audience and so I will write my books for that audience which means that there's like less explanation for certain things they're just like understood um and I think that provides a really authentic kind of voice 
and I don't know like I, I, I mean like I don't know what your teacher taught maybe maybe it was really in-depth and really interesting I think I blacked it out because it was so <laughs> but it's interesting that you were uncomfortable about it so that makes me wonder whether you know these people said weird things and it wasn't because it's also like you know if you're in a space like that and you get like weird comments sometimes that are especially yeah. back then like I think people are much more aware now about um discussions concerning racialized issues and mm especially literature and, and being in it, like being aware of a white space and a white gaze and how that affects POC because POC are always aware of the dual gaze. Like you're aware of how white people perceive you, how white people, um, how, how basically they perceive you and how other POC perceive you. So it's, it's a dichotomy, a double layer thing that, POC are always aware of whereas mm -hmm. most white people are not because they've never had to think about it they're not aware of it um but yeah it's a I don't know I think it's good I think it's good for that to happen and I wish it would happen more but it also yeah there's <laughs> it does make me concerned about like you know if you know how they handle that because it's yeah it is awkward even as a writer being in a all-white space like being in a a course like a writing course where as a POC they're not really thinking about how you're writing and the gaze that you're writing to and um, those layers within your writing sometimes it can be really it, it isn't always yeah it's not always a good fit if your mm -hmm. peers and your teacher don't see that you know yeah that's true yeah Actually, I haven't, I haven't read the Joy Luck Club, <laughs> nor have I seen the movie. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I watched the Amy Tan documentary recently. <laughs> oh, and right. one thing I thought was really interesting is that she was saying that after she wrote the Joy Luck Club, a lot of people were writing to her and complaining that it was very stereotypical and that she was kind of like reinforcing these like Asian racist stereotypes and, you know, all these things. And she was saying like, well, you know, like I didn't want to like um, politicize the book. I didn't want to be an activist. I just wanted to write my own authentic experiences. And I thought it was kind of interesting to kind of consider that thought of like, well, if you want to try to avoid like reinforcing stereotypes and then you avoid certain topics, you know, does that kind of decrease your authenticity? You know, and then where do you draw that line of like, what kind of things can you put in your work versus what are things that are too stereotypic and you have to cut them out of your work? You know, so I think I thought it was very interesting. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that is interesting because I like personally, I did find at the time when I watched the, read the book and watched mm -hmm. the movie, I did feel like these are stereotypes because mm. they're not like the Chinese people I know. <laughs> but I also like, you know, it's a different generation, but, you know, mm. I was like, mm. and at the time, I mean, she was like, that was one of the, the first books that I felt like really broke out. Like that was mm. yeah. fully Asian. Yeah. Um, but I do, I mean, like, yeah, I talk about this a lot in Clubhouse, like the idea <laughs> of authenticity and mm -hmm. stereotype and what is stereotype. So for me, a stereotype is reductive. So if mm. you have a character who is boiled down to one trait of their, you know, 
their herit ancestral heritage or community. And that is supposed to, that, that is the thing that defines them. That's totally stereotypical to me because it, uh, an individual is a, it's like a multifaceted person. Um, and I mean, they talk about intersectionality, you know, like having overlapping marginalization. So if you're a woman and you're Chinese um, and you're LGBTQ+, plus, that's like three different marginalizations that overlap mm -hmm. and that will make that person's lived experience different, like a different prism than somebody who is, you know, maybe a woman and Chinese, but, um, and, but cis, or cis, Head. Yeah, cis head. Mm. So, you know, that's a different lived experience because the mm. intersectional identity is also different. Yeah. Um, so, like, for me, either reductive like that or one of those everything but the kitchen sink kind of characters where, okay, we've got like a Chinese woman, we're going to make her like tea. We're going to make her only buy cheap vegetables, at the, you know, in Chinatown. We're going to make her um, a terrible <laughs> parker. We're going to make her only like tea. You know, she's going to nag a lot and she's going to be uh, obsessed with violin or piano. One of those two. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, yes, you know, you know, people, you know, like I know lots of moms who have some of those traits. They don't have all of the traits, you know what I mean? And when you throw all the traits together, then that's also a stereotype. And I find that mm -hmm. at, like for authors, like, I, I think that's lazy because mm -hmm, if you really yeah. want to, you can make a authentic character. You can create an authentic character who has many of those traits. But maybe at the same time, also, they're like, personally, I don't know, let's make them, um, they're a ceramicist. They really like to make, I don't know, um, they're obsessed with making tiny little tigers. Because <laughs> like, they're a tiger like, mom? Is that it? Yeah, like a tiger mom. Like, she's got a thing about making tiny little, or she collects them, or I don't know, something. Do you know, you can, you, because people are surprises. They're like, you know, they're like the Forrest Gump box of chocolate. Like characters in books, I think, are best when they're like, you know, the Forrest Gump box of chocolates. You have things that you know, oh, it's going to have like the praline, it's going to have this, and then a surprise because that's that makes your character interesting and, and I think more authentic, like more true to life. Because, mm. yeah, not people are just not always exactly what you expect, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, so true. This is a good metaphor, actually. And, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, what's funny is that, like, when I got here, I didn't. Um, when I first started driving here, I like I realized that none of my friends around me knew the American stereotype. Well, I guess North American stereotype of like Asians are bad drivers. So I didn't mm -hmm. get any of that crap. So I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> fantastic. And I know last time when we chatted, you floated this uh, like this framework of rating books. Oh, yeah. based on like a system so I just wanted to see if you wanted to talk about that because I, th I think it's excellent I think that's something that we should all be doing consciously especially if you know you're trying to be an ally um okay let me pull it up I actually have what do I do with it? <laughs> so this rating I was toying with the idea of having some kind of rating system for to help encourage people to read more diverse books and also to help encourage authors to create more diverse landscapes within their literary worlds um however <laughs> i i had a lot of chats with a lot of different people um and what we came up with instead so somebody said hey you know what about a something like the blackville test which is mm. um you know like the test for women like in movies mm -hmm. like 
are the women when are there more than is there more than one woman are they do they talk to each other about something <laughs> other than the man right yeah. you know like um and so you know like this test of like are the women basically more than lamp shape like standing lamps more than just you know like a pretty accessory or whatever mm. in the movie so i had a thing for um for i find it um for diversity a token called the token test basically and it, it's not meant to rate a book's quality it's not meant to say oh you know if you have all of these then it's got to be an amazing book um it's more as a guideline to say hey you know like have a look at this think about it like just to stop and think about this book like is um I'm going to try to remember this without looking at the thing. I can send it to you <laughs> later. I'm testing you now. <laughs> I'm like, can I remember it? Um, so, so the first thing is, um, I said face. Is the character, um, is the description of the character uh, more like authentic? It, it's not just a stereotype. You know, you don't, you don't like um, reduce the character to, you know, Chinese people have slanty eyes or, you know, um, Yes. Oh, good. All right. Here we go. <laughs> My diversity test, also called the token test. So the first thing is physical face. I called it face. Physical and personality traits are free from stereotype. So in terms of stereotype, I mean things that don't um, traits that don't all point to their marginalization. I.e., like if you have uh, this would be what I would consider a stereotype. Um, you have somebody who's quiet, meek, good at math, um, has almond eyes. Therefore, they are Chinese. Right, or East Asian, yeah. or whatever. That to me is a total stereotype. You want to have physical and personality traits that are, you know, like more realistic. You don't want to have them all pointing to the marginalization. That's, you know, your, your character has to be more than that. Um, mm. The second one is role. What role does this character have in this book? Is the character role free from stereotype? So again, you know, pointing at, okay, if you have a drug lord, don't make them Latinx, right? If that's going <laughs> to be the only thing that defines them. Yeah. If you have like, you, often you have the Asian best friend, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. like, like they're just like the kind of sidekick and they're kind of cute and spunky and feisty and, <laughs> you know, does all the good stuff. So yeah, that's like a, another stereotype. The three, the purpose. This is a character, the character's narrative arc and how they fit into the plot. Um, again, you don't want to have a character who's, uh, sole aim is to support the main character or i.e. used as scenery to give the character to give the book sort of like um authentic like uh, what do you call it like street cred right mm. um so for example a trope a, a standard horrible trope is that the black character dies or sacrifices himself for the good of the white character or the black character is there only to show that how woke the white character is <laughs> or they're literally literally tokens so you could replace them with a lamp that's how important they are within the in the story like don't do that <sighs> like that yeah um token that there are a realistic number of poc characters for your setting for your story so if you set it in texas then yes there should be like mexican people there it's not like a whole you know like totally homogenous um community uh and and one thing i love this quote from mo black he says this is about fantasy and people are like oh fantasy you know it doesn't matter what race people are blah 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 it's fantasy <laughs> it's like his quote was like come on if if you can pull 50 shades of orc out of your ass and only <laughs> like one one race of human like no 50 what is it it's 50 races of orc out of your ass and only one shade of human 
he's like stop come on (laughs) (laughs) like okay you know like it puts it into context right and the last one is trauma um that the poc character's life is not basically the whole purpose of them is is not just to showcase their racial trauma because that's just it's tiring like i think yes Mm -hmm. okay there's always room for stories especially when it's like when people are telling their own lived experience and they're exploring the trauma of that own lived experience. But, you know, that's one thing, but to have a, com- a commoditized trauma by people who are not, who don't have that lived experience and create that as like the whole soul, the, the, the whole aim and purpose of that particular character in this book is just like, mm, no, yeah. that's no. not cool. <laughs> so those are the things that, that I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, these are things that I think people can think about and use as like, kind of like a starting point, right, for um, looking at diverse, like for authors and readers to look at the books mm-hmm. and really kind of think about it. Like, oh, you know, what is it that we're doing here? What are, what am I reading? Is that character really just there for show so that I can tick a box? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I'm gonna start doing that for like Goodreads reviews and stuff. Yeah, I think it's good to try to you know hold creators to a really higher standard to think about. I mean, Mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, it it's not it doesn't you know it doesn't it doesn't speak at all to quality of of the book of the writing or the story. Um, It's just a starting point. Uh, I'm gonna yeah, go with the last sharing. question, <laughs> uh, which is not really—I don't know—I don't know how to segue into this. But uh, how do you practice self-care? <laughs> Was making this diversity test a form of self-care? <laughs> there we go. I said, <laughs> yeah, good segue with that. Well done. That's a really good segue. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> um, do you mean like in terms of like stress daily stress or just overall like well-being well I guess however it means to you so like if there's a way that you feel like you need to like um, vent your stress or if you have any like routines that you feel like help keep you in place or I don't know I just whatever you think is important Mm. like I like to like I, I I don't know I like to, it's a balance, I guess. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not really good with like strict structures, like strict mm-hmm. r- routines. I'm, I'm never, I've never been good with routines like that, but you know, I like to try to get a little exercise. I like to sit in the sun. I have vitamin D deficiency, like just about every person in England. <laughs> so getting vitamin D and like getting some sunshine is like huge it makes such a difference in my mood but I mean like sometimes just to unwind I I love k-drama like I love watching (laughs) binging k-drama which ones are you watching yeah it's really bad like if I oh my god the shows that I love and I have I've stopped watching them because I've watched them so much I'm like I need this is not healthy like I loved crash landing on you and I love my love from the star like I think oh, I've watched that those, like seriously like maybe 20 30 times already now like, oh my like okay can so I just bad. say um, Hyunbin um and Sonia Jin when I, that was a news that I didn't know that I needed but I found out they're dating in real life I just he, he <laughs> is like, a, yes, it's he is a hottie like, okay, I'm sorry. So oh my god. Yeah. But, uh, sorry, that was a wild interruption, but sorry, please keep <laughs> No, I totally agree. He's like just oh god. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I've, I've binged. I have to say, I watched my Meteor Garden. Meteor mm. Garden. The Chinese yeah. one. The yeah. Chinese oh, I heard one, that was good. One. It, I haven't seen it. Was it? Did you like it? Oh, okay. It was so <laughs> problematic. Like, the beginning, the, the start of it, I'm like, what is, like, oh my, like, there's, like talk about like like i don't know if you i can say this um the the alpha 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 hole like the the main character what is his name is it dylan wong or whatever his name is um yeah he's so he's like verbally abusive he practically sexually assaults this girl it's like okay so awful at the beginning like i'm just like i didn't know that this is this is the hero like what but it's so addictive that I watched it's like 40 no 30 or 9 or 40 episodes it's crazy long they go into these long tangents that I'm like oh god fast forward fast forward um and at the end I'm like oh I was so rooting for him and I'm thinking what is wrong with me he was awful but I think the writers changed his character so if you yeah. cut out like the first few episodes where he's a total uh, that is good. and then you forget about it then it's fine but I think oh like because it's based on it's boys really over flowers originally right yes which is also so it's like, super yeah that's also yeah, problem. like that like base series like the guy just like sucks like okay i've watched the to. korean version i've watched i've like read the manga i've like consumed many <laughs> versions of this and yet i still hate the main characters so i'm like why did i watch this we need to have <laughs> a weird. we need to talk about this in depth because adrian and i talk about all things Asi- asian american slash canadian but basically yeah. for k slash c dramas j dramas whatever it's always like some dude and then some woman always like carrying the emotional labor apologizing and it really annoys me when my white friends comment on this i'm like no you you haven't earned the right to criticize like asian content but it's it's always like the woman apologize this like really nice kind like you know woman apologizing the man for whatever crap he's and i'm like come on we still have a yeah. long way to go but yeah i mean yeah. like it's the same thing is like, true it... for like western media like you know if you watch you've got mail again like tom hanks is a total asshole oh, no i'm not you know? no. <laughs> so it's like like and i used to really love that movie when i was younger and then like i saw it recently and i was like wow fuck this dude you know yeah. well <laughs> have you watched not recently like any um... thing. <laughs> you need to rewatch indie indiana jones and like, oh god! Oh, god. I, like, I when can't. You watch I it again, you're like, oh. Dude. I don't think I can. Like, it's it's like James Bond. I mean, like, like... <laughs> yeah, oh, James Bond. Oh my god. Oh, I mean, like, it's really interesting. Like with the K dramas, like you, I can see the cultural value difference, you know, mm-hmm. and and what is okay and what isn't okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, like some of the things in the K dramas where you know, especially with sexual assault and rape, mm-hmm. where the woman is almost always the one who is at fault or who who suffers yeah. all the stigma mm. like it's devastating um for them but i mean some of the other ones like my love from the stars where he like he's in the shower and he's like a big shower scene and it's all sexy and then he's like wearing a towel <laughs> i'm like just cut it off at the waist like why why, why pan down he's wearing a, like he's got a whole towel it's implied what <laughs> i know it's so... i don't understand 
Well, actually, you know what's funny? I tell this to Adrian all the time, but my parents and I watch like similar K dramas, and I'm always like, "Make out already, make out!" And then I'm like, "No, my dad watches this. Don't make out, don't make out." <laughs> you know? the oh yeah, they're, they... they're the masters of the slow burn. Oh, <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's like just get it out already, but don't, because my dad watches this. I feel so awkward watching the kiss scenes and dramas like I don't want to watch it because it's just like then you're just watching them like going like this like mom 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 for like five minutes so I'm like I don't want to watch it but then like I don't know there's some dramas that it's like I don't want to watch it because I heard that they're bad at kissing and I don't want to have to watch them like sucking face for like two minutes if it's awful but then like there's some people that I heard they're really good at kissing and I don't want to watch that because it's like too much I'm like no just like sometimes like just don't play the drama actually (laughs) yeah i think like k-dramas they're they're often they they're it's like kind of really chaste kissing right it's yeah it's always like they freeze frame like one person will like kiss the other and then they freeze it and they pan around (laughs) yeah (laughs) we got it 360 with like the music coming (laughs) like okay yeah yeah <laughs> oh, and I the don't girl's know. Eyes are always like oh, yeah. really I, wide. I mean, like she's surprised that she got kissed, right? So it's like, <laughs> oh, and there's always the hand, right? There's always the hand that holds yeah. the hair, like, oh, yeah. like I can't remember how they do it. It's always the same, <laughs> you know, like at the back of the head, yeah. always the same. I'm like, what is that? Like, is that some kind of like special? It's only like keep the hair from getting in front of the camera while they pan around. Yeah, and always the the, yeah. the hand grab, you know, like they're, they're mm. always like grabbing the wrist. Oh, you mean the wrist grab? It's like a really, yeah. yes, the wrist grab, very codified. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, should set up like a therapy group for like Asian drama watchers. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, no, I, oh, I, I would totally like to get that. into more. <laughs> but, but sorry, what, what were you saying? So you watch, you also watch like um, K dramas as part of your self care and unwinding. Sorry, before we went on this tangent. Young <laughs> <laughs> being, oh my god, yeah, he's totally great for my self care. <laughs> yeah, um, me, yeah, me no, too. Dramas, um, and. <laughs> like I don't know like when at the start of pandemic I got really into cooking like baking mm. I did a lot of baking but I Ooh. stopped doing that because that self-care was leading me to have like bad self-care because I was just sitting on my butt eating um but yeah like just seeing friends and you know just taking it easy and taking some time to you know relax and have fun so yeah nothing nothing too special I haven't been able to go anywhere I'd like to go oh, someplace. Yeah. That would be very nice. So. Oh, yeah. oh, I know. I mean, wow. Like, thank you so much. Like, I mean, ideally, it would have been amazing to just like meet you in person and like chat. But it, it, it's just so refreshing to just have a chat about anything and everything like in this space. And um, uh, we definitely like to have you back on to ask you some more que- more questions about your insights and to chat all things oh. about like Asian dramas. But mm. thank you so much for <laughs> making the time. Like I know you're very busy, so uh, you know we just really appreciate it. <laughs> oh well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Yeah, I'm like always in with like fans of Hyunbin. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs>